The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and we are webcasting to you live from the Center for Autism and Related Disorders headquarters in Tarzana, California. I have a goofy grin on my face because it's Wednesday, and you know how much I love Wednesday. We're going to start out today with a wonderful hour with Dr. Doreen Grampachet. We call that segment Ask Dr. Doreen, and during that, we really love giving all of you an opportunity to ask your questions of Dr. Grampachet. And we're going to tell you how you can participate and do that in just a second. But in the second hour this afternoon, we have a uh, fabulous, fabulous segment, Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Nancy Allspot Jackson will be here. And just a small programming note, I want to let you know, this whole week we're talking about technology. And on Friday, we have a very special guest who's going to be with us, Holly Robinson-Pete. And as I mentioned on the show yesterday, the Nobby company has given us two of these fabulous Nobbies to give away during that live segment on Friday. That happens from 11 to 12. That's Pacific Standard Time. So make sure that you turn tune in to find out how you can win one of these really remarkable Nobby tablets. We've been having so much fun. The box says it's rated ages 4 to 40. And I don't know. I question that because I'm a little over 40 and I had a great time playing with it this morning. So I think they need to adjust that. But in any case, we want to remind you that this whole show is meant to be interactive. We want you to participate with us. Emily's going to show you some of the different ways that you can participate. I'll remind you that our homepage is autism-live.com. When you go there, you'll see a computer screen. If you click on the triangle on the computer screen, you can be watching the live show or the most recently recorded live show. To the side of that is a white box. Put your cursor there and start typing. When you hit enter, it will show up here on my screen. And in that way, we can be asking your questions of our experts in real time. And we start out this morning with one of the most incredible experts in the field of autism, Dr. Doreen Grampachet. So it's time for Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grampachet. Dr. Grampachet. Dr. Doreen Grampachet. Dr. Doreen Grampachet is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Welcome to Ask Dr. Doreen, and we welcome Dr. Doreen Grampachet. Good morning, Thank Shannon. you so much for being here. It's a pleasure, always. This is my favorite hour of the week because I get to sit and learn from you, and I get to be here as other people get to learn from your wisdom. You really are an expert well, in the field of autism. thank you very much. It's also one of my favorite hours well, of the week. Well, I so. appreciate that. And I, as I always say, Dr. Grampachet is a visionary in the field of autism. Thank you so, so much. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to ask questions, but we want to start the show and remind everybody that no one on the show can 
give child-specific advice. There's a very good reason for that. Even in this wonderful interactive format, you couldn't possibly get enough information to give child-specific advice. That's right. And I, I wouldn't really want to do a disservice to our viewers here because um, sometimes uh, the, the information that's given is not really enough. And so I'll do my best to give some guidance, but um, often we will just recommend the type of professional you'll need to seek um, guidance from in your local area. And, but it's, it's such a great, great format in which to begin to get some some direction. I hope so, yeah. I hope and, we can help some of the families. And our viewers write in and say that. I, I have to start with a question that overwhelmingly we've had people writing in since Sunday mm -hmm. uh, saying that the time change, and I was just mentioning that the time change, I'm a little befuddled, confused, and <laughs> don't know what, what's going on, and my timing is all off this week. And everybody else has been saying that too. Right, right. And they see a difference in their children, they see a difference in themselves. I I can't help but think, you know, if changing one hour is so confusing for all of us, what must happen for our kids on the spectrum? Right, that's true, of course, and I think it's, it could also be even worse for our kids because to begin with, so many children have a hard time with sleep, mm -hmm. you know, so that one hour is, it might be actually pretty important for some of our kids, and it just, it's, I think it's a reminder how important it is to pay attention to uh, whether or not our kids are sleeping adequately. Okay, really important to do. But I want to get to some questions that we have had written in uh, this morning and over the night. And again, you can be writing these in on our live feature, autism-live.com. And you can also write in on the Facebook as well. But this question, I think, really hits at home. My child, two and a half, nonverbal, was just diagnosed last Friday with ASD. I'm hopeful but overwhelmed. Where do I start? Diet, doctor, ABA, what comes first? I feel like there is no margin for error. Help. Right. Well, you're very, very blessed in that we're talking and your child's just two and a half. So this is a perfect um, opportunity for you to do the things that you need to do. And there's uh, quite a lot of different things that you should be looking into. I don't know where you reside. Do we? We don't have that, right? We don't have that. So um, I would suggest that uh, you know you will need to do a variety of things, and I'm not sure in which order because it, that really has to do with what you have available to you in your local area. So you're going to be looking for a medical doctor, and um, I think they're the organization that currently provides some training. Uh, to medical doctors, MAPS um, can perhaps give you some guidance on where to look for those people. Um, and you will also be looking for an ABA professional, um, so someone who is board certified in behavior analysis. Um, and, you know, we just launched, by the way, I'd like to mention our uh, new, the new site, or a new site has been launched called Love My Provider, and there we're giving a lot of help referrals. But um, it's still local to the Los Angeles area, so I don't really know where this family is. I would start, the best place I think to search for a good ABA provider is, um, you know, you can certainly look on the BACB or, um, or, uh, organization website, which is BACB.org, but um, you, there you'll find thousands of names and not necessarily anything other than that. So I would start with some local parent support groups perhaps that can guide you and advise you on um, quality behavior analysts in your area. Um, you'll also probably need to find a licensed psychologist or an assessment center because 
um, I think the way that the the process and then you might also benefit from finding a nutritionist or, or someone who can guide you with a dietary plan. So I think the process, the way that normally, this is how I would do it, let's put it this way. I would connect with the physician and um, start to get some assessments done, medical assessments done, so that I can make sure my child is medically stable. You know, if there are any issues such as allergies or um, any toxicity issues or uh, metabolic issues, um, your physician would be able to uh, test for those things and then start treatments for those things. We sort of want to come into intensive ABA um, having a child who is, first of all, medically stable, um, sleeping well, um, and it's really important, I think, to know the, the things that are going on biochemically with our kids. And, you know, a lot of the kids, as I've said many times on this show before, a lot of the kids have, uh, let's say, fungal infections or are reacting to gluten in their food or those types of things. And when we eliminate those uh, factors, the children start to learn much more rapidly. So I think it's kind of important to, to stabilize the medical health of the, of the child and make sure the child is able to sleep well and, and you know, awake, be awake and functioning well and there isn't anything else that we're not aware of medically. And so that's where also you might need to consult with a, with a nutritionist or a dietitian. And if there is a diet to implement, then that's something I would start with as well. That's kind of difficult because you have to learn about the diet and you have to purchase the right foods and you have to make sure that the house is uh, supportive of it, the rest of the household. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you will also want to connect with the psychologist to do a series of standardized testing. And that would be, you know, tests like um, intelligence testing, language testing, um, adaptive testing, that sort of thing, um, which are very important because they set sort of the baseline for where your child is starting and they will help you measure progress every year by going back and looking at those tests. And then I would go to an ABA provider and um, the ABA provider will uh, start with what's called a functional analysis or assessment, functional behavior assessment, and that is sort of a form of an assessment that also identifies uh, why problem behaviors could be happening, um, I, and then they will start to intervene with the problem behaviors. Now, it suddenly occurred to me that behavior analysts are all quite different from each other, and I would also really recommend that you spend a little bit of time online on uh, our skills website, which is skillsforautism.com. Um, and there you'll have access to a very, very unique uh, assessment, which is the skills index or the skills assessment, and that's uh, that's a the, probably the most comprehensive assessment you're going to find anywhere, mm -hmm. and it is um, very very detailed questions about your child that you answer online. Um, of course, this is completely safe and confidential, and uh, the information then goes to a database that then provides you with a list of all the age deficits, so age normed deficits that your child might 
might have in, in all areas. So if your child is behind on language, it'll not only tell you how far behind, but it'll tell you exactly every concept in language that needs to be taught to catch your child up. And also in all other areas, social, cognitive, executive functioning, play, motor, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the skills index is extremely use useful, the, the assessment tool. And uh, of course, if you become a user on skills, you will then also be linked to curriculum and how to teach those areas of deficit. But it's absolutely optional. You could simply use the assessment tool and not the curriculum, or you could choose to be a regular member and use both. Or your professional, your BCBA or the behavior analyst working with you could um, use skills. You know, right now we have more uh, behavior analysts using skills than parents. We have a tremendous number of behavior analysts using skills, and I think it just provides them a pretty good, um, you know, step-by-step -step guideline on how to teach skills. And so then, then you have your medical and your dietary, child's sleep is stable, um, and you are doing appropriate behavior analysis. And um, I would then want to make sure that you would review for, you know, on a, this is very, very important that your behavior analyst um, do very regular uh, sort of reviews. Here at CARD, we do we review with the parents every two weeks. And that is, I think it's pretty necessary. I mean, we could reduce it. A lot of funding agencies want us to reduce it. But I've kept it very high because it's, it's a very important period of time. We call it the clinic, and it's the parents, the supervisor of the case, and all the therapists who are working with the child gathering. And if there's teachers involved or speech paths or OTs, then everybody comes together. Um, and we discuss all of these things and make sure that how the child's doing, what the progress is, what are our goals, do we need to make modifications, so that those types of things are critical. And having said that, depending on your child's needs, you may also want to consult with an OT, occupational therapist, so that you can get some sensory integration form of occupational therapy. This is if your child has sensory issues, which I find most of the kids do. Um, and then finally, you may also want the assistance of a speech pathologist. At CARD, we don't, we sometimes have speech therapists working with us and sometimes we don't because we also have internal speech pathologists who work with our team of behavior analysts. But you do want to make sure that all areas are kind of progressing evenly together. And if there's an area that's falling behind the others, um, then you need to modify the program in some way. Yeah. That's a long answer. It's a lot. <laughs> and it can be very overwhelming. But I will tell you, as somebody who had a child diagnosed with autism and, and felt it was vastly different than it is now. I mean, that was eight years ago, and so much has changed. But what has changed has been for the better. Yeah. But I will tell you that it's still going to sound overwhelming, and you got a laundry list there that Dr. Grampache just gave you. You will get through all of those things. You will, yeah. But you'll take a little bit of action, and then you'll have to wait Absolutely. on some of those things, and that gives you time to address one of the other things. I, you know, I can remember that we had to go and get an assessment, mm -hmm. and it was going to be three weeks away, and I thought that You're I was going to so come out of my yeah. skin. I know. I, I, the writing was already on the wall for me. My husband was still in denial. And I thought, you know, and I would say to everyone and anyone, what can I be doing in the meantime? Right. And people would give me little directions of things to do. I didn't have all the, th I couldn't go on skills back then. There wasn't IBT. Right. I mean, I think about what I would have done had I had that to do over again. But somebody did suggest to me that I look into diet. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, if that's 
all I can do right now. I'm all in, right? Right, right. And for my child, that ended up being a wonderful thing. Exactly. So by the time our ABA started, he was medically stable. That's awesome. I, I always say that, you know, the diet made it possible. It cleaned him up so that he could learn. And then ABA started the process of teaching him how to learn. Right. And I don't know, you know, for each child, it's going to be different. And, and so it would be lovely if we could say, you know, step one, do exactly this. Step right. two, do exactly that. It's going to be different depending on where you live. Absolutely. Yeah. And different based on your child. But you'll be amazed at the strength you will find because each little step along the way, you'll go, oh, okay, well, now I've got to wait a little bit. I'll focus on this. Right. Uh, so it won't quite be the avalanche that it seems like yeah. in this moment. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I don't want to overwhelm any parents, especially when you're at this point because your child just got diagnosed and it's a pretty scary time. But I do, you know, it's, you have to imagine that 20 years ago, you'd be lost for the next 10 years. Yeah. Like, you know, nobody, yeah. and it's, it's, you really are kind of blessed to, to be in the situation that yeah. you are. You're, you're hitting things very, very early. So you have to see the positive in that. And as Shannon, as you mentioned, one of the important things I think is that we freak ourselves out as parents, you know, yes. if you have to wait a week and, oh. and let me just say, you will have to wait a little bit because the physicians who are trained to handle this sort of thing um, are very busy uh, there might not be one in your in your area yeah. and you might go with your pediatrician and your pediatrician might not be knowledgeable in any of these things that pertain to the treatment of ASD so you'll you'll want to be a little patient you might also find a behavior analyst who you don't like and want to change and so it is a it's a process it's you know you're if you find a doctor right away and a uh, behavior analyst right away and a speech therapist right away and they all are great, you're very lucky. Buy a lottery but, ticket. Buy a lottery <laughs> ticket, exactly, you're, you're that yes, lucky. Yeah. But don't be discouraged if you need to switch yeah. around a little bit. It's an evolving field and people tend to, you know, they're, this is, we're still cleaning up the field, let's put it that way. But I will say that in order to reduce your own anxiety a little bit while you're waiting for these things, um, do visit the IBT, the Institute for yes. Behavioral Training uh, website, and there you'll find a lot of training for you, for the parent. And I think the more we know, you know, I know for myself or my children, if something happens, the first thing I do is start Googling, you know, WebMD or here or there, what's going on. And I think IBT will provide you with a lot of information and training as a parent. Just go to the parent section, look up the various training modules, you know, um, what is autism, what is ABA, how do I change behavior, how do I do this, how... train yourself. The more you know, the easier it'll be to handle your child and to identify if you have a good or not so good behavior analyst. So, you know, please spend the time to do that because that will really it'll help you understand why it is possible for a lot of our children to actually recover. You get the overall picture of what the intention of ABA is. You'll get it much more comprehensive than just talking to a behavior analyst. So, you know, that will definitely help as well. And and don't be worried if if you, you know, find a behavior analyst before you stabilize your child medically. 
event, the first six months or so, you're going to be doing a lot of this sort of stuff. Yeah back and forth and back and forth. There's a number of different websites that provide you a lot of information. Autism Research Institute is one of them. Um, and there's a conference coming up in May for Autism One. There, there you can also, that's in Chicago, you can get a lot of information. I'm not very involved with the, with the conference scene right now anymore. I was a couple of years ago, but um, you know, I'm sure you'll have a lot of resources and these resources are way better than they were a few years ago. Absolutely. But I have to say, one of the things that I'm really encouraged by this question, I mean, your child was diagnosed on Friday and, here and you're, you are. you're asking questions. You found us and you're, you're asking good questions. And this parent is already seeing their child as a whole child. Yes, it's beautiful. I and, love it. And that's an amazing thing. That tells me that we're, we're moving already, in the right direction. That's absolutely right. You're already asking the right questions and you're a step ahead. Yeah. Absolutely. And get yourself some support. Absolutely. This is kind of a, a journey for a few years. It's a beautiful journey because you see your child uh, learning something new every day. So it's kind of fun. It's a lot of fun in that sense. But it also, you really will need some support because it takes up a lot of your time and energy and you tend to worry. And if your child has behaviors, it might be hard because you'll hear your child crying when the therapist is putting the child's behavior on extinction. So all this sort of stuff. So it's, it is definitely increasing your stress for a little while. So be prepared and get your, you know, your friends and families and so on so, to be there for you. But at the same time, I hope you're in a city where a card is, because I'd love to be able to take your two-and-a-half-year-old. There you go. Love the little guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we had a question. Uh, hello, Dr. Doreen and Shannon. We thank you and love you for all you do. Oh, that's very nice. Last thank week, you. you mentioned that you had a client who would doodle on the air, like, as if writing something. Right. My child does that a lot, and we would like to know, what did you do to replace or to extinguish? I always like to know why she does that. She does this in public and children look at her as if this is unusual so I'd like to find something functional to replace so we know that it's a girl but we don't know an age right and that's okay I mean so what I did with this particular child was we shaped the period of time that he was allowed to doodle like that and he would be constantly you know like mm -hmm. constantly doing that and so we shaped it and said we started blocking it so that he wasn't allowed to do it except for certain periods of time right and so he wasn't for instance if it occurred during class mm -hmm. he was told no you can't do that right now you just have to wait until your break okay. and so he started to actually do it he started to sh his that took a little while maybe a month or so but his behavior started to shape and because he had a therapist with him he wasn't allowed but then during break time he was allowed so obviously behavior will shape easily under those circumstances and after a while you learn oh here they don't they let me do it there they don't and his comprehension was at a point where we could actually make him understand that you need to wait you know for instance we used certain things like timers or later on you know just a bell that a uh, little buzzer that would go off when the time was coming up so that we could give him some indication of the time to the break so that he could hold himself back from doing it and then we realized that this is kind of a relief for him it's a sensory sort of it's an experience that he likes to do but but I didn't want him to even do it during break in this sense because it made him look a little bit odd in front of other children. Mm -hmm. So um, his was numbers, and so I started to teach him um, Sudoku. Mm -hmm. Am I pronouncing yes. it correctly? Yes, you are. Right, and because he's a very intelligent little guy, he's yeah. only six, 
but he loves Sudoku now, and so when now he now when he has the need to do it, he will go and pick up the Sudoku thing and start doing it, and that replaces his need. And so now it's a very very normal functional behavior, which looked extremely odd before. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't just do this; he would also count everything. For instance, he'd count all the stairs he was going up and down all day long, all day long. He'd count his steps. He'd count, uh, you know, items that were very, he just counted all day long. And this really just went away because we, re we reduced the time frame it was allowed in. And then uh, it, during that time frame, we replaced this with a more appropriate or socially appropriate behavior. So I think it, that helps. And I think that's sort of gives you some ideas maybe of the type of things that you can do with this. Absolutely. Uh, and so we wish you luck with that and write us back and let us know right. what you do and how it goes. We're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back with more of Ask Dr. Doreen. Stick with us. Hi guys, welcome back to Smarty. This month we're going to make some gluten-free Play-Doh. It's a great activity because A, I know a lot of our kids have an allergy to gluten and B, it's super cheap and cost-effective to make your own. So let's get started. The materials you'll be needing are one cup of white rice flour, half a cup of cornstarch, half a cup of salt, one tablespoon of cream of tartare, one and a half teaspoons of vegetable oil, one cup of water, food coloring, a saucepan, and a spatula. So as you guys can see, I'm in my kitchen because I'm going to be using the stovetop to make the Play-Doh. First what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my pot and fill it up with all the dry ingredients, okay? Now that I have my dry ingredients in the saucepan, I'm now going to add the what ones, the vegetable oil and water. I'm going to turn the pan onto low heat and continue stirring. What I want to make sure happens is that it gets solidified and gooky looking, you'll see in a second, but not overcooked, okay? You're just trying to get the materials to kind of congeal. You know the dough is ready. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna just take it off the stovetop and let it cool. Once it's cool, then you're gonna add your coloring and boom, you've got gluten-free Play-Doh. Well, I hope you enjoyed the Play-Doh with your kids. Until next time, craft on guys. Can you see me? Flying by your side. Welcome back to Autism Live and to this segment, which we call Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grandpache is here with us and she is answering your questions live and you're flooding them in. So I'm going to get to as many of them I as know, possible. But so we also sorry. have a wonderful guest that we're going to bring in surprise in the next guest. A surprise guest. I, I hinted that we might uh, yesterday and I didn't want to give it away because we didn't know for sure. but. We think we're having a surprise guest in the next segment, and you're just going to have to wait yes. <laughs> to find out. Okay, so uh, somebody wrote in and said, Hi, Dr. Doreen, when will cards start using the iPad for data collection? This uh, And the, it's mm -hmm. parent who's saying this paperwork is taking too long out mm -hmm. of the sessions. It takes about a half an hour of each session to collect data. If the kid has three sessions, that's an hour and a half uh, a, a day from his hours away from therapy, and thank you. And, of course, we know that data collection is essential, right? Know, your yeah. program is only yeah. as good as your data yeah. collection. And sometimes but. I'm actually really amazed at my therapists. Honestly, the other day I was observing a couple of therapists on a case in Orange County and I was just, I couldn't even believe it. They're just so good. They're so fluent in yeah. the process. You know, like this one had, 
she not only had, uh, you know, she was collecting data on a paper and then also had a tally for uh, party accidents. And then she had another, she had a token chart going at, at the same time. And I was like, good God. It's yeah, like the multitasking Edward thing. Scissorhands here, you know. <laughs> um, we're piloting it right now. So the data set has been done. The, the software is built. It's all done. It's, I think it's being piloted in two of our offices right now. I'm mm -hmm. not sure which ones. Um, we just want to make sure that the ther a the therapists become very fluent with it, and b the um, the data that's collected. See, the the big transition for us on this one's pretty hard. You know, for parents will know that we've now had the iPads out there for over a year, which is tremendous for us and has helped us a lot. Although it's been ridiculously expensive as well, sure, <laughs> you know, thousand therapists with iPads. But um, having said that, the Data collection is very different than everything else we've load out, loaded onto the iPads and rolled out until now because the data collection is, you know, it's the meat of how we get your child's funding yeah. renewed. So, um, and trust me, funding agencies look at those data points. So I completely understand what you're saying in terms of it takes a while, but the issue is that you know, we, there's so many different factors involved here. We want to make sure that when the data that we take shows the funding agencies that there is progress being made. And this is very important for ABA because sometimes the progress that's being made is not evident in a six-month period, which is our funding renewal period usually. Um, because unless, it's only evident if you look into the detail of what's going on. So for instance, I might introduce a lesson which has to do with, I don't know, conversation. And by the end of the six months, there's not going to be any conversation. However, if you look into the actual lesson and you look at the either the individual SDs that are taught, for instance, joining a conversation or um, starting a conversation appropriately or repairing a conversation, which are sort of some of the individual uh, sections of a conversation lesson, um, there might be progress in one of those. Yeah. Or if there isn't in one of those subsections, then there might be progress in the exact exemplars. And the exemplars would be, for instance, five different ways of joining a conversation, five different ways of introducing, and maybe two of the five are mastered. So it's very, very important for us to take that level of detail because from insurance companies and most funding agencies, you know, they come from a different perspective. They expect gross change. And it's very, very hard for them to realize that uh, autism and ABA is something that is, you know, small amounts of change building on top of each other for the course of three to four years. So um, that is the reason that this is critical, that your therapists take good data. Now, once the iPads come in, I am very hopeful that we'll be saving some time for the child and not, not taking as much, because the iPad, the program actually calculates percentages on its own and, you know, all you really have to do is touch a button when you're doing it, so it's pretty good. Um, but, you know, I'm cautious about when I actually, because I can't have my therapist over, like, run two systems. Right. So I'm going to have to turn off 
use of the logbook and turn on use of the data on the iPad yeah. instantly and it'll, it's a scary time because once I do that I'm really dependent on that data for your child's funding yeah. so I want to make sure everything is perfect on that software before I roll it out but it's I, happening right now so I would say a month or two you'll it'll be out there and the fun I'm so glad that you remind us about the funding because I think sometimes we don't think about that but also keep in mind that that data helps all of you to decide what to do next in therapy to better make sure that the progress oh is my gosh. happening. I mean, we live by that data. Yeah. If I don't have data, when I have, if I, well, sometimes I see other people's cases, other organizations, and when I have, you know, logbooks that have narrative in them, I just close the logbook. It doesn't mean anything to me if a therapist, especially when there's four or five therapists, writes their opinion about how the session went. It means absolutely nothing. You know, our stuff has to be data driven, otherwise it's just not valid. Absolutely. Uh, somebody else who's written in and said, love the show with two exclamation points. That's nice. Uh, my <laughs> son is eight and has been receiving 20 hours of ABA a week for five years. Wow. We have seen improvement in his behavior and language, but his echolalia is still strong. His mans are all I want and then fill in the blank with no variation. He scripts at high levels in all environments and has little spontaneous language. I don't want to give up on his language. Just keep working on it. Are there specific language programs we should be focusing on? I see so much potential in him, but his progress is very slow. Right. Oh, so, you know, I absolutely don't give up. That's the first thing. Don't give up. But I'm not 100% sure if you're with the right provider. So uh, I just don't know. Uh, you could be, potentially, and otherwise you could also need a change. Um, I would, probably what I would do is go on and do the skills assessment and look at, and you could do this for free because you have a two week free period on there or something. Mm -hmm. So yes. go days. in, answer your, the questions about your child and skills will then give you the program, the suggested lessons. Take a look at those lessons. There will be hundreds. Take a look at those lessons and see if they're pretty similar or at least see if some of the ones that your provider is doing are in the lesson plan in the treatment plan in other words does it correlate with skills uh, you know skills has been published validated reliable uh, measure and it really is a good source to use in terms of just validating whether or not a provider is doing the right thing uh, I mean we have insurance companies using it now to see if providers doing the right thing so I would really check that factor because everything else could be slow but I, with five years of ABA I don't think you should be having echolalia right now um, you could potentially have some out-of-context repetitive speech from let's say videos or something like that but not immediate echolalia so uh, again I'm not I can't give very specific advice in this case because I don't really know the the characteristics of your child um, but I would suggest you get another assessment perhaps take a look at how the progress has been do not give up um, you will ultimately find uh, the key and start to you know sometimes it's just a matter of fine-tuning some procedures and once you've done that your child picks up sometimes it's a matter of looking at your child's other factors like sleep and medical issues and dietary issues and so on and then your child speeds up 
um, you know, make sure at the same time when things drag on this long, just make sure that your child's enjoying it because it can get pretty aversive if you're going on and on and on and on for years and your child's not mastering. You always want to kind of have a situation where your child is mastering stuff. Even my most difficult children or most severely uh, impacted children have uh, mastered stuff within six months to a year. So you kind of need to make sure that's happening. And our, our big topic for this entire year, we're talking about quality ABA therapy. It's our overriding arc this year. And uh, because we're seeing more and more people write in and uh, they have fought so hard to get ABA. Right. But it's important that people know that all BA, ABA is not the same. Um, one of the things that we always say to parents here on the show is make sure that the person that you're working with is checking to make sure that there's progress. And one of the things I always say as a parent is ask them how you're working towards generalization. It concerns me as a parent that your child is saying, I want, and that and is the, nothing more. And yeah. nothing more. Yeah, and that's, it, that's an easy teach. That's something yeah. very easy. So. That's what what made me actually question the the quality of the ABA. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it may be that they're, they're attempting to teach yeah. uh, it in yeah. different ways. Absolutely. But then, if that's not working, then you still have to try other things. Right. Um, so I I I want to caution you as a, one parent to another: make sure that you're getting quality ABA therapy. Right. Do whatever you have to do to do that. And and I think that's the key to seeing the kind of progress that we all want to see. And and again, I will say that is predominantly what I do I mean my not predominantly but my my clinical contact these days is limited to seeing families at card who have hit a plateau where I can help or seeing families outside of card who need a second opinion third opinion and some mm -hmm. advice on their ABA program that sort of thing so if you can get on my calendar and be come to LA I'm happy to do that okay. and also I travel a lot, so if I'm in your area, I'm also happy to do that, and that's usually on our website as well, my travel schedule. Absolutely. So what a great invitation. We are going to take another break, and when we come back, we have a very special guest, and we'll, let you, we'll unveil when we come back, so stick with us. If you're watching Autism Live, chances are you care about the life of someone or perhaps many people living with autism. You spend countless hours trying to make a better life for them. It may not have been easy for you to watch the show today. You know, sometimes you could be juggling so many balls in the air, you feel like a circus performer. I remember recently saying to a friend that as the mother of a son with autism, plus all the other challenges in my life, I feel like I'm carrying a tray full of glasses of water, and that if one of them topples over, the whole thing is gonna go crashing down. This empowerment moment is all about you. Now, I'm not a doctor or a therapist, but over the last nine years in my autism journey, I've learned some things that have helped me shift from being a victim to having hope. See, I've been in that place, down on the kitchen floor, on my knees, praying for answers of what happened to my child. I've been in that place, covered with blood and tears, after one of Wyatt's giant tantrums, where I said, where has my fairy tale life gone? I have a feeling you're a member of that kitchen floor club, too.
It's been a process, but I've come from that place of being a victim to becoming an advocate for my son Wyatt and for many others as the executive director of ACT Today, or Autism Care and Treatment Today. Let's start with reframing the way you think about yourself and your child. I want you to say after me, I'm an activist. That's right, I'm an activist. Because just by watching this program, you are taking positive steps to make the world a better place for your child or someone else living with autism. You are a positive force of action in the world. I want you to start thinking of your so-called disability as an opportunity because it's within our challenges that our greatness is revealed. That's where we find our courage and resiliency. And parenting a child with autism is one of the greatest challenges a parent can face. You have the choice to see this as a journey of self-discovery. Some people take expeditions to climb Mount Everest to see what they're made of. You don't have to travel that far because parenting a child with autism is an expedition of the soul. Until next time, stay strong and keep the faith. Welcome back to Autism Live and to Ask Dr. Doreen. I mentioned that we had a very special guest and so we're welcoming for the first time Dr. Steve Edelson. He is the Executive Director of the Autism Research Institute or as a lot of us refer to it as ARI, an amazing, amazing organization. And you have a tremendous site that is so interactive that so many parents find so much hope in. We were just talking about that briefly during the break, but welcome, welcome to the show. So nice to have you it's here. Nice too. And uh, you're here on a, on a brief little visit, so we coerced you. Uh, I, I will Shanghai, say, Shanghai is there, was, a there was a little bit of that. Uh, there was a the bear trap out in the control room, and we caught him and, and brought him in. We, we twisted his arm. But uh, I wondered if you could uh, just talk to our viewers a little bit about what, if they're, if they're new, because we had one mom who wrote in and said her child was just diagnosed on Friday. Tell them a little bit about ARI and what the mission is. Uh, well, with, with Autism Research and Institute. Um, we were actually established in 1967 um, by Dr. Bernard Remland, who's one of the true pioneers in the field. He actually was the one who said it was not the mother's fault back in the 60s, because at that time, every professional, not one, um, varied. They all said it's the mother's, and well, actually, both parents, especially the mother who caused the autism. And then he wound up having a, a son with autism. And read the literature. He had just finished his PhD in experimental psychology and realized that everyone was blaming him and his wife. And then he started writing a paper, which eventually grew into a book. Um, and what's interesting, this year is the 50th anniversary of the book. Oh. So the Institute is, we're still figuring out different ways to celebrate Amazing. the book, but it's been 50 years and just, just quite, quite incredible. So. Uh, when he founded the Autism Research Institute, um, basically the, the main mission um, was to conduct research as well as sponsor research, which we continue today. But over time, um, the uh, mission also included 
dis distribution of information to parents as well as professionals. So basically we conduct and sponsor research as well as distribute information. And it's incredible information. I know I've been able to go to a, a few ARI conferences and, and hear some of the people speak. And uh, it's amazing what you can learn at one of your conferences and the ability to connect with other people. A lot of times, I, I, I know you have spoken at their conferences before. Um, but And I, I just want to say, you know, you, ARI has con contributed in so many other ways to this field overall. I mean, I would say the entire medical movement was uh, there was what ARI started, you know, and before that, I mean, I remember this very clearly, and, and you remember, of course, at uh, 1995, I believe, right, the first stand conference, meeting. yeah. So you know, and this was unheard of back then, and and Dr. Rimland was bringing together physicians from all over the world to bring their thoughts and opinions and research together and discuss what is the real underlying medical uh, cause or correlation uh, to autism. That was a first, and that's, right. that's now get, becoming mainstream. Right. Well, for years before that, he was pressuring a lot of other autism organizations and researchers to look into medical problems, and, and as well as biomedical, almost the same, um, as far as autism, and, and no one listened. And right. so, we decided to uh, put together a think tank, mm -hmm. uh, which we brought in some of the top researchers as well as experienced clinicians, and they all got in the room, and mm -hmm. they all agreed that the immune system was a big issue. And, and there had been um, talk and some research for the in the previous 10 years on that issue, but as far as gastrointestinal, you know, there's nothing in the literature, That's and right. one clinician after another said. I thought I was the only one who's seeing it. I'm also seeing it. And then they realized that uh, GI problems were a major problem. It was right then it all, everyone's eyes opened and said, my God, it really is a big issue. And then toward the end of the three-day meeting, um, um, everyone in the room agreed, let's network, let's work together, let's you know, try to have a movement to mm -hmm. make medical problems, uh, make the community aware of these medical problems. and then. Um, and after that, figure out how best to treat them. Right, so and then from that, of course, came the whole movement mm. of training doctors right. and just, you know, the entire dissemination. If you look at it now, of course, there's offshoots, which is sort of the MAPS group, but if it wasn't for ARI, none of this sort of stuff would have come together. Those very or, or same physicians, yeah. those same physicians are, have now trained thousands of other yeah. doctors in the country. So that's that's an amazing yeah. achievement. It's important, important work. And, and now, uh, I know I got an email yesterday, you've got a survey that you're asking parents to participate in. Tell us what the survey is going to determine. Well, well, actually, I'd like to talk about two surveys. Sure. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, one that's already out there, we went out in November, is a, a survey to try to subtype autism. That is, in um, Dr. Rimmel's book that we talked about, that came out in 64, he had a checklist in the back to diagnose um, a form of autism called Kanner syndrome or classical autism. And uh, he wasn't too happy, but there were many parents who would rip it out of the book, mm -hmm. fill it out and mail it to him for his advice. And But by having a lot of parents write to him, he realized that there were other things that should be added to the checklist. So mm -hmm. he um, modified it a few years later, and he kept distributing translating in many different languages. And um, one of the goals, which we actually have on film from 68, 
says, someday I'd like that checklist to be used to see if there are types of autism. And so, um, actually in the 90s, I started analyzing the data to look at subtypes, but then this Dan medical movement started, and so I had to put it aside. <laughs> and, um, and about three or four years ago, a graduate student came to me who's a, actually in computer science, says, I know a lot about clustering, subtyping, um, could I look at the data? So I had him come to the office, and uh, he found roughly between 10 and 12 types of autism. Mm -hmm. and. Um, um, and, but the, before putting that out, we need to see if we could replicate it. We have to be very careful to, because we want to make sure they're valid. Mm -hmm. And so we spent a couple of years um, adding more questions. Um, many of them are medically related, GI, immune, seizures, migraines, and so on. And then it went online in November. And our goal is to have roughly 3,000 respondents, if not more. Um, by hopefully this summer. That's great. Um, and, and we're now halfway. We're at 1,500. It's and just a, a couple of weeks ago, we went out with an Italian, French, and Spanish versions of the checklist. That's so awesome. that's going to encourage. So we're very excited. Um, and if we do replicate, <clears throat> then I plan to bring in some of the top researchers in subtyping together to figure out how <clears throat> all our data fits together because it has to make sense. And if we can find um, subtypes, you know, um, figuring out the underlying cause and best treatment is going to be a lot easier yeah. for each subtype rather than taking a heterogeneous population right. yeah. and trying to figure out. And the other survey, which uh, we're, it's already IRB approved, it's, um, we're, it's already online, but it's not live because we're still testing. Uh, we're surveying um, medical problems in adults with autism. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, because there is some indication that um, medical problems are more common in adults than children. And so we're, our goal is to see if that's true and then try to also relate it to some of the sensory issues because there's a lot of talk about sensory issues being associated with medical problems. And actually there was a study, I think it was last year, that um, surveyed over 100 people and found that those who had GI problems were also more likely to have sensory problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my guess um, is that if you treat the medical problems associated with autism, um, many of the sensory problems will decrease or be eliminated. That's my guess. Yeah. And that's what we have to find out. Important, important work. So for our viewers, I'd like you to get to your 3,000 mark, and I'd like to get you to your 5,000 mark. So <laughs> where can they go? The where can they go to be a part of that first survey that's already oh, available? <clears throat> okay, it's an easy um, domain name, autismresearchsurvey.com. Okay, autismresearchsurvey.com. Correct. And if you complete it, um, you um, are in a, a contest to win an iPad. We do this every couple of months, as well as receive a one-year subscription to our science newsletter. That's great. Really. Yeah. That's really and they can also, I would encourage people to sign up to be on their mailing list as well, because you'll get information about webinars. You guys do some amazing, amazing webinars. Well, they frequently conflict with our show, which I would love sorry. to see that change. <laughs> but there are, I don't get to watch them, is my problem, yeah. because they're but, happening at the but, same time. But they're archived on YouTube. Go to there you go. autismwebinars.com. Okay. But I should also mention, a lot of people don't realize that uh, we have six or maybe seven newsletters that we produce really? on a regular basis. Wow, we have know. a monthly, just about what we do at ARI, like the webinars, the surveys. Mm -hmm. uh, we have one 
so that's monthly. We have one called Clinical Research in Autism, and we have roughly 4,000 subscribers, and that's geared toward obstetrician, nurses, and pediatricians, and basically it lists um, peer-reviewed studies that are relevant to their practice. Well, that's great. <laughs> and then we also have um, an adult e-bulletin about adult issues written by adults on the spectrum. That's, that's awesome. quarterly. We also have a, a newsletter for those um, with autism who are um, deaf or hearing impaired and, and blind or visually impaired. So that comes out quarterly. Uh, we also have it's called the Global Autism Collaboration. We have um, we support a program with over 120 nonprofits worldwide mm -hmm. to provide them information and network them. And then they, there's a newsletter there every other week, uh, every other month. That's amazing. And we have a science hard copy newsletter. And we also, right next to our institute, we have an art gallery. And sales from the art support the institute. And it's not a disability gallery. It's a real art gallery. And that's actually a weekly e-newsletter. So we've got quite a few, few newsletters Things going, going on. You've got a lot going on. Wow. I can't believe I'm not on all of those. They're yeah, so I, I get one newsletter. Why I get the my... monthly one, too. <laughs> yeah. I should really try to get on the other science ones. They sound so interesting. Oh, they are. Um, well, this is one way to get the word that's out. That's absolutely them. right. Thank and so you. people can go and sign up for the newsletters that they want to get and take the survey. And when will the other survey be available? Um, the adult medical survey, I hope, within one or two weeks. We'll probably announce it in our monthly newsletter. Right. And I haven't figured out the domain name yet for that. Okay. But um, um, but yeah. But if you go to autism.com, once it's out there, we'll mention it. And um, I hope to have three or four hundred respondents by the summer. And I um, also have quite a few important meetings coming up over the this year. And it'd be nice to start sharing that information with them. Really and the last little thing. Yes. Well, because yeah, it's on my mind these days. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm um, in about two and a half weeks going to. Um, the Autism Research Institute is co-sponsoring a major autism conference in Moscow. Oh, wow. It's a three-day. Um, last year, we had roughly 400. Wow. Uh, we hope to have more. And then That's spend fantastic. a week there. And we're also meeting with a lot of researchers in Russia. And after that, I'm going to the Ukraine for a week. I oh, figured, why well, I could wow, still I get in. Well, you well, can I, do could, this right well now. I still can get in because if it may be harder in the future. and. You know, if we could help the, them in any way, we're going to do it. So if I can get in there, I will. That's that is scary. absolutely amazing. Yeah. We had an opportunity to have some people on the show that were doing a documentary about uh, mm -hmm. autism in the Ukraine and, and oh. to help us to understand what's going on there. But I, I will admit that I, we just watched the Olympics in Russia, and I don't have a strong sense of where autism is in Russia. Do you know yet, or that's part of the reason oh, well, why you're I going? working with a lot of people in Russia for the past few years. Actually, one of the reasons, well, it's a major country, and, and, and Dr. Remel and his family is from Eastern Europe, mm -hmm. as well as my family. Mm -hmm. So in our hearts, so I figured, and I'm, we're helping other countries too quite a bit. But um, so, but with Russia, um, ABA, there's not much going on, but we want much more. Um, actually, last year we had a one-day physician training course by Dr. Cindy Schneider, oh, and lovely. she had, um, a uh, hundred people attend all, a full day, and 60 were physicians, and the others were social workers, psychologists, and so on. 
So, yeah, we're trying to help them in, in quite a few different ways. We should ways. do some ABA ones together sometime. Yeah, that would be great. So. That's amazing. Well, and I would be remiss. Here I am sitting across from the two of you, and you are two of the greatest minds in the field of autism, mm -hmm. honestly. And, and you are in different areas. Uh, mm, not area so much. We, no, actually, well, we, went to, I, we went to the same program. We went to UCLA together. Yeah. Well, I love the fact that, that you two are talking, but honestly, what we hear from a lot of people is that there's an ABA camp, and then there's a biomedical camp sure. and there's all these other camps sure. and parents aren't interested in that we we love it when you guys collaborate as you guys do right. uh, and we hope to see more and more of that anything well, that you guys I mean, want to say about we were saying earlier about sure. how this parent is seeing the mm. whole child and we love people professionals such as yourself who look at our kids and see the whole child what can we say to people to to get more people to participate in that well i, sh I should mention last year was the 75th anniversary of wheel Tanner's paper, first mm -hmm. paper, mm -hmm. and in his writings, he, as far as the future, he did recommend an integrative approach to autism. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, Steve and Bernie Rimland were are psychologists, yeah, not physicians. And so, you know, the fact that they have brought the world of uh, biomedical and medical interventions for autism to to, to us and, and to everyone um, also indicates that, you know, we all have to kind of have open minds and look at the other side of things. I often tell behavior analysts, this is not a learned disorder. You know, you can't just think no. you're going to go in and do behavior analysis and reverse things. You have to make sure that whatever caused this to begin with is, is being stabilized and handled um, so that the child is able to learn and, and progress. And so, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot. There's been a lot. We've always, uh, whenever I used to speak at the Dan conferences, we'd always push that issue as well. It's really important to be open to the fact that you need to do medical interventions in, in most cases and behavior analysis in most cases and you can't just tell parents. There are some organizations still, Steve, that will tell parents we won't do behavioral treatment with you if you no, no, no. do medical. Which is you so know? disappointing to hear. And it I is very sad, but, but many behavior analysts are beginning to come on board. It has changed quite a bit. So. Right. It's well, if they could be either be neutral, I think they're That's right. pushing for evidence based. But we're all aiming for evidence based right. in every That's area, right. whether right. it's uh, medical, behavioral, sensory. Right. We're all we all want that evidence based. So all the research out there, that's what we're aiming for. And, I'm keeping my fingers crossed because if we replicate the subtypes, mm -hmm. and again, I don't know if we will, but uh, fingers crossed. Yeah. But if we do, that might speed things up because then it's going to be easy. Because if you do a big study with a heterogeneous population, you'll say, well, only five of the 20 improved greatly, but based on statistics, it's, it's worthless, this yeah, treatment. Right. And that happens all the time, as you know. Right. But if they're divided up and say, well, we took those in subtype A and 80% improved, and all the other subtypes, no one did, well, this could be an intervention for subtype A. So that's right. where we're going. So it's just going to, I hope, make things a lot easier. Yeah. But, you know, all the research is evidence-based. And it's a lot of work, it's a lot of time, and it's a lot of money. 
and we can't do that overnight. It's, mm -hmm. it's unfortunate, but we can't do it overnight. One of the things that was explained to me, and tell me if I, if I get this right, that uh, somebody had said to me, imagine if we still just use the word cancer and that we didn't have pancreatic right. cancer and we didn't have liver cancer and we didn't yeah. have breast cancer and we didn't have small cell fast growing cancer and we just treated it all the same like they did in the yeah, dark ages you wouldn't be as effective at, at getting mm. progress at people getting back to health and and when I think of my son with autism and and one of his best friends also is on the autism spectrum but they couldn't be more different in how they react to things oh, I agree. and and when I think ahead to the future, if there was a day when somebody's child was diagnosed and we said it's subtype 34A, mm -hmm. which means that we know best practice for that is you're going to do a gluten-free diet, you're going to get this many hours of right. ABA, right. and this will get us the best outcome. Yeah. But for another child, it's something different, but significantly different so that the outcome is, is different for them. Right. You got it. That's, so I'm, exactly I'm correcting right. that. Okay. I think, uh, Steve, one of the things that you might be interested in is that we have some researchers at Chapman right now doing the pattern analysis on skills as well. Oh, good. And because, you know, you know, it's, our, it's been <clears throat> our goal for a long time as well to come up with some subtypes. And so perhaps we can cross-validate, yeah. you know, we can do a construct validity against yeah. each other. Actually, how that works. I'm a computer programmer and, a, and good statistics, and I wrote my own clustering program. That's great. And um, which I shared with someone from the University of Chicago and goes, yeah, it should work. Yeah. So um, so I wrote it for the upcoming data, but yeah, it would probably I mean, be, that would it's be another very way to validate too. It would yeah. be interesting, yeah. Is there anything you can't do? Yeah. <laughs> um, do, do you do yeah, dishes also, as well? Oh, I mean, I, you are you the perfect man. Also, the things that he does. Yeah, you don't know. Tell them about uh, your books of poetry and so on. Mike, yeah, you uh, are the Renaissance man. Yeah. Yeah, and I write music and I paint and I write poetry, philo philosophical books, and <laughs> things like that. So wow. I do a lot yeah, of he's, he's a very interesting guy. Yeah, that's right. You are the Renaissance man. Well, I'm yeah, thrilled that we had the opportunity to have you on the show and to have both of you together. Oh, it's a this pleasure. Well, you can cross Steve off your list now. Because <laughs> you're on it's my funny bucket because list. Every couple of months, I'm like, did you get Steve Edelson yet? Did you get Steve Edelson? We've well, mentioned I, I, it I before. I don't like to be interviewed very much. Right. So. And I said that too. Yeah. And, and I have followed you around at conferences yeah. and said, now, yeah. now. And when you've been very busy and it wasn't appropriate, but I, yeah. I have trailed you for a while yeah, with different colored hair, different times. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it, I, and of course, we, we're thrilled. So thank you yeah, so much for being willing to do it. And yeah. thank you, Dr. Grandpache, for being here. Always. We'll have you back on next week. For those of you who didn't get your questions answered, obviously you understand this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And uh, but we will bank those for next week. Sure. Dr. Grandpache will answer those. So thank you both. We're going to take a break and go to the. A word. This is the ongoing documentary being made here at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders, and it gives the perfect example of a therapist in this particular episode we're watching today, a thera therapist intervening in an appropriate way, but the child having a little bit of difficulty with it. And we'll see what that looks like with quality ABA therapy. And you'll see how they get Jack Riley out of that and back into being productive after he throws a little bit of a hissy fit. So <laughs> it happens. After that, we'll be back with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. We've got a wonderful guest. Susan Campbell Cross is here with us. And we're going to learn how we can eat healthy for less. She's got creative ways for that to be reinforcing for us and for our kids. So stick with us. Here is the A word. Awesome. I'm starting to think he's smarter than me. Uh, <laughs> imitating? Yeah.
During clinic, everyone on Jack Riley's team meet at CARD headquarters. Here, parents, supervisors, and therapists go over any questions, concerns, and new skills to be taught. I think we have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you gonna go look how cozy he is with you guys now. He's so cute. He's gonna lean on her knee. He's leaning on you. We were having him like give us fire truck and then having him say it afterwards, but now we're realizing he knows a lot, so now we can just hold up the picture and say, What is it? Jessica is determining what items Jack Riley knows the labels for. Items he does not know are separated to be taught to him during a later therapy session. Okay, yeah. Let's do it like this. Choo-choo! <laughs> What's up? 
do it this way, though. You gotta sit up, though, and do it. Hey, bud. You gotta sit up and do it. Jessica repeatedly redirect Jack Riley to sit up each time he attempts to lay down and play. The reason she does this is that laying down while playing is inappropriate and if we don't teach appropriate play skills he won't be able to socialize with other children. This teaches him how to play and that tantruming or negative behavior won't get him what he wants. the camera not with, oh, the with the camera but not face to face yeah which is interesting it's really interesting yeah but like face to face you can do like um the gross motor nbi where i do this and he claps or i stand up and he'll do the same thing but facial stuff no
Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Allspaugh-Jackson. And I'm Shannon Penrod. How you doing, girlfriend? I'm great to be here with you, and you look fabulous. <laughs> well, as you always. look very vibrant in blue. I, I'm thinking this is my new color. I, I love this I color. I love it, and, I and we've got our uh, lifestyle expert. Did you know we have a lifestyle expert? <sighs> I I know that we have a lifestyle. Yeah, in Susan, fact, I've been talking to other people about it and saying you got to tune in to yeah, see this. Yeah, Susan Campbell Cross is here to join us today, and something that is much needed: ways that busy autism moms can save time and in food preparation and have fun with their kids in doing it. So I think that's a really important thing because I don't know about you, but food is sort of the last thing on the list. It seems like every Wednesday, as a matter of fact, I open the refrigerator and I go, the cupboard is bare. And, so. and for me, it's a little bit different, but she addresses it as well. I, I love to go to the grocery store and I love oh. to buy things at the grocery would store. Would you go for me? Absolutely. I mean, I think in another life that would have been the thing for me that I would love to go to the grocery store and I go to the farmer's market and I get all my organic produce and then Good it comes home and the wheat gets away from me and then I'm throwing organic I'm produce away. away. She's going to talk to us about that and figure yes. out ways we can Thank stop that. Thank goodness. It's why we need a lifestyle coach. Right. So, <laughs> so we have some uh, some interesting things in the news. There's a lot in the news. Some of it yes. we're going to delay till next week because some of it just came out this morning. But some of the most important things, there's that study about delays being common among si siblings of kids with autism. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. Mm -hmm. I know those of us who have children on the autism spectrum, we, we know that we need to be looking out for signs of autism in other siblings. Yes. But what this study has found is that there are other kinds of developmental delays as well. Right. So very about 17% of younger siblings develop autism and another 28% show other types of delays in development of behavior. Yeah. And this is according to the Journal of American Academy of Child Adolescent Psych Psychiatry. Mm -hmm. They looked at 294 siblings of children with autism and 116 siblings of typically developing kids. All of the brothers and sisters were assessed at 6, 12, 18, 24, and 36 months to measure their development. So this was not just a drive-by study. Yeah, they really were looking to see where is the drop-off happening. Uh, delays in the younger siblings could be spotted in children as young is 12 months okay so really important the takeaway for us is make sure that we're having our kids looked at the mm -hmm. siblings looked at and and that we need to keep getting them looked at right uh, really really important because we do know that mm -hmm. if we catch some of these things early we can improve the outcome mm -hmm. so super duper important uh, the quote was this research should give parents and clinicians hope that clinical symptoms of atypical development can be picked up earlier so we can perhaps reduce some of the difficulties that the these families often face by intervening earlier. Right. Right. And that was from uh, Sally Ozanoff, University of California, Davis Mind Institute, people that we love and, and trust. That we love there. are doing great work. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. And then there, there's another interesting um, angle on drug trials. Mm -hmm. And I think this is just actually a wonderful, wonderful advancement. I would call it an advancement. People with intellectual disabilities get a say in drug trials. Yeah. Uh, so many times we are doing research on those with involving conditions such as Down syndrome, autism, fragile X. But those individuals that are in the trials don't have a say. Their parents are having to make the decision. So what drug companies and researchers and doctors are creating now are documents that use a combination of simpler texts and pictures to explain everything about how the clinical trial would work to potential side 
side effects of these experimental drugs. And others are using flip charts, videos, audiovisual tools. And uh, a large study with funding from the National Institute of Health is gathering data on how people with fragile X, a genetic condition um, that can cause intellectual disability and delays, can make decisions. And the goal is to develop an app to help with the consent process. But this particular article highlighted uh, a young woman named Justine Dwyer who has Down syndrome and she underwent screening at Mass General um, for a new drug by Hoffman LaRoche and it's a drug that's being tested to see if it improves memory, cognition, and language. Now her mother, who is one of uh, obviously her daughter's legal guardians, um, really felt like she did not want to make medical decisions without Justine's consent. So they kind of sat down with Justine and they explained it to her so she is she understands what why she's taking this pill and what it can do and and she said in the article that she was uh, very hopeful that um, she was going to be able to understand it and it would eventually help her. So I think this is a big... Yeah, uh, it, it creates a floor of opportunity in which yes. they have a say, which I think that that's a really important thing. Uh, and I and I love that they're thinking in this direction. Yeah. And because we know, we know when we go to any kind of a medical institute and they hand us the document, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, whether it's for a study or a test or whatever, I know I have to sit there and ask 108 questions and say, what does this mean? And what does this mean? Mm -hmm. And if you didn't have the ability to read it and ask the right question, you know, I, I think they could make these forms simpler for all of us. All of us but yeah. let's let's start with making it so that it's accessible for the individuals that they're wanting to, to do the yeah, testing. Yeah, and, and this young That's woman, great. Justine, said she wants to participate in the trial to help other people. Love it. And because she hopes the new drug might help me get my brain better. Oh, what a sweet, sweet thing. Yes, yes. Now, uh, big story in the news this week that mm. uh, for the first time the the father of the Sandy Hook shooter yeah. has come public and he's been doing interviews and yeah. I know you New said, Yorker magazine yes. is going to have a major article March 17th which I think we're all uh, going to be watching for. I did see some of the news coverage on this last night on NBC and um, the reporter at NBC did the uh, interview with the, the writer of the article that's going to be appearing in uh, New Yorker magazine. And to me, there were some really heartbreaking statements. I think the most most heartbreaking of all was the father said he wished Adam had never been born. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> That was hard for me. I mean, that was hard for me. It was hard for to me hear. too. Because who can't relate? I mean, of course, we can all. Our hearts ache, and you know, the, the children that were killed, the adults that were killed. But the equal tragedy is this young man. We yeah. know that. Yeah. And I was so happy that the reporter—I forget what her name was—but she asked this reporter. He Adam Lanza had Asperger's, but many, the majority of young people with Asperger's don't go out and kill yeah. and participate in a mass killing. So yeah. I was so happy she said that. Yes. So happy she said that. And he said, um, he actually said he may have overlooked troubling signs by accepting that a diagnosis of Asperger's um, 
was enough with his son, but he thought there were far deeper issues, psychological issues that were not examined that he chalked up to the Asperger's yeah. that really, in fact, had nothing to do with the Asperger's. You know, the, did you know Adam Lanza was not communicating with his mother in the house except through email? They were I living in the same house. That. They showed the room. His windows were all blacked out. We do know now that he was a big fan of extremely violent video games. And um, she she slept, you know, in the house with guns. And, um, you know, she was not frightened of her son. Um, but the father did say Asperger's makes people unusual, but it doesn't make them like this. Yeah, and I appreciate that, too. In the article that I read, it suggested that that one of the things he says in this uh, New Yorker article is that he thinks that also the doctors overlooked the fact that there might be other things going on, like perhaps schizophrenia, yes. because they just said, oh, Asperger's, right. and then dismissed everything after that and missed some of the different signs. Exactly. And I will say, you know, I I'm, I'm interested to see what the article says. I found all this coverage I'm already finding difficult um, because of some of the things. And I, the last thing that this dad needs is me to judge him, and I don't want to be in a position to judge any parents, but the thing that really jumped out at me and made me particularly sad, too, is that uh, he reportedly says that for the last two years of his son's life, he did not have any contact with no, him. No, not at all. And I... I have to say that in looking at that, I just I just want to say that's not the kind of parent I hope to be. And if I ever am out of contact with my son for even a month, I would like for you to slap me upside the head, my head. We Amen. don't get to leave. We don't no, get to we leave. Don't. We don't get to block it out. When our children have these kinds of issues, uh, when they when they have a diagnosis of ASD, we need to help them in every way we can feel accepted, feel a part of a community, uh, to learn social skills, because as we know, this can lead to further isolation and then yeah. have other factors come in. So yeah. it, it's so sad that he says you can't get any more evil. Uh, he thinks about his son in the massacre every waking hour. How much do I beat up on myself about the fact that he's my son? A lot. But he has offered to meet with victims of the shooting, and two families have taken him up on the offer, yeah. which I commend them for being open enough to hopefully forgive. And hopefully this incident is something all of us can learn from. I, uh, there has to be some takeaway, has right? To be. Because otherwise it's has to be. Uh, just devast it's devastating anyway. But and in other not great news, yeah. uh, we are standing with the, the folks in South Dakota because they have made their attempt to get their autism mandate passed, and it was defeated the other day, last week. And I... The thing that I find really unconscionable is that they had somebody from one of the insurance companies stand up in the discussion and say, well, some of the studies that we've seen on ABA suggest that it's not really that effective for everyone. <laughs> and that's one of those comments that I'm, I'm sure that she was told to say that, mm -hmm. but I think you have to take responsibility for your actions in life, and that that woman will have to take responsibility for having stood up and said that because that is a misstatement. It's an absolute outright lie. And and <laughs> to suggest uh, it's a disservice to all of our kids because and I've heard this bandied around. Well, all of them don't make great progress. What they're referring to is that all of the kids won't quote unquote recover. Recover. That's true. But for the mom who is struggling with getting her child toilet trained, and we know that ABA can toilet train all of our kids. 
kids. I just find it unconscionable. That is the same as if she stood up there and said, well, it's not worth it because all of the kids don't have the progress that I want to see. Well, Shame you know what? You. I'd like to say to her, my son is one of those children who will not recover. He will probably always have traits of autism. I've grown to accept that. But had he not received ABA therapy starting at the age of just almost five, five years old, a late start, I would have a son who was tantruming night and day, causing self-injurious behavior to himself, biting, kicking, injuring me, uh, not toilet trained, not able to dress and feed himself. So if you think that that's not useful, think again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Enough said. Enough said. Girlfriend has spoken. I'd like to get her name and I'll write her. Uh, yeah, you know, and the insurance company and let them know that yeah. that's, that's a yeah. bad use of your time. I'd like her to live my life before ABA. I'd like her to go and spend a day in my shoes before we got Wyatt ABA. See, I want to do that with a bunch of people. I want to have a bunch of politicians who mm -hmm. don't get behind ABA for yeah. every single one of our yeah. states. Let them I want to challenge them. Yeah. Each one of you go and, and live with a family for one 24-hour period that has a child with autism spectrum disorder. Yeah. There, there it is. There's the challenge. It's I, and having if you severe can say behavioral that, issues severe behavioral issues. Let them see how they'd like to put up with a child that's not toilet trained, a child that's injuring themselves and others, a child that's running away mm -hmm. into traffic, a child that can't get dressed, yep. a child that doesn't know how to eat properly. Let them see how they would like it. And if they can do that for 24 hours and still say that they don't support ABA, of course, I'd like to also then send them to a home where there are kids who have had quality ABA and see the difference. Yeah. That's yeah. really the ticket, right? That sure is. All right, we have work to do, okay. girlfriend. All right. But in any case, uh, we're gonna take. We have to eat because we can't do the work if we don't eat, we right? Can't. And right. we have to eat healthily, right. and we have to make sure that our kids eat healthily. And so we have a wonderful expert, Susan Campbell Cross, is gonna be with us, and she's gonna tell us how we can do this effectively, efficiently, save money and time, and, and have some better. fun with our kids, and have some fun. Yeah. So stick with us. We'll be right okay. back with her after these messages. find out you're having a boy you always think like oh he's gonna play football he's gonna do this and that and then when he's diagnosed all those things get washed away it's like that piece that's always in the back of your mind you know where is he what is he doing is he safe we really didn't know what we were dealing with I wish that they could have directed me a little bit more and provided me some information I was a young mom I didn't know what it was like to raise a boy despite a boy with autism Hundreds of thousands of families are not getting the help they need for their children with autism all around the country. Act Today is determined to bridge the gap. These families really have to go through a lot to get a grant. The application process isn't easy. The records, the diagnosis proof, they're really battling for their kids. So when we can give them a grant, it is so wonderful to see that they succeed in getting that help for their children. Our founder, Dr. Doreen Grandpache, is an amazing woman, and she is one of the world's foremost authority on behavior of children with autism. She's extremely knowledgeable, and she oversees every single grant we give. She is part of that process. People may think of autism care and treatment as simply schooling or therapy, but you know, we provide important safety supports, things like fencing, for example. The whole family's living in fear of that child running out into traffic. 
I recently delivered an iPad to a little boy with some of the apps that are out there for children with autism. Miracles happen. I got the iPad from ACT. From ACT, What yeah. did it say? Can you repeat that, Dustin? I got the iPad from ACT. We have helped so many military families. And when I think of these brave families that are fighting two battles, one to protect our country and one for the right treatment and care for their children, it, it breaks my heart. And I think we have to do more as a nation to help them. There's not a day that doesn't go by that we don't think about it. Some people say, oh, he's normal. You don't see the battles that I see every single day. My husband does have to deploy, and when they get on that bus, that might be the last time that my kids ever see them. So I called, and they informed me that he had received the grant, which was like a blessing from above. I was just like speechless. I just started to cry because you know, without it, we would we would have been lost. The AT grant was a total miracle. Without that, we wouldn't be able to receive a service dog. So we're so appreciative what they've done for us as a family. Recently, ACT Today funded a program for military children with autism in San Diego, the Inclusion Films program, which is run by Joey Travolta, and teaches uh, kids on the autism spectrum literal filmmaking skills. They learn how to make a movie. Are we ready? There you go, got it. Okay. Everything that goes into the process of making a film goes into everyday life. So they're learning life skills, they're learning to collaborate. It was really nice to know how much they were enjoying this camp and they're with people who are supporting them and are making them feel great about themselves and their differences and their similarities. And I get two kids that are working together and apart and together and apart, so it's an interrelationship as well as a camp and a learning experience. It's so fulfilling when I get letters. One stands out for me, a, a boy who was 14 with Asperger's, and we gave him a grant to go to a drama camp. He wrote to us and said, Dear Act Today, thank you for letting me belong for the first time in my life. These kids are remarkable. You know, we underestimate them. They're so knowledgeable, they're so capable, and we can change the life of a family, which means changing the life of a community. Welcome back to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Yeah. Nancy and I are here with our gorgeous guest. Yes, Susan Campbell-Cross, who Thank is um, a lifestyle expert. She's with Shape Magazine, and she also has been honored by ACT Today for her activism in, with autism and supporting our cause. Last year, she received, received an award at our big gala, Denim and Diamonds, the Golden Cowgirl Award. That was such an honor. I thank you so much for that. Well, you were, I'm trying to fix my mic here because it keeps slipping. And I just have and to say, too, I was so amazed when I met you at that event because, uh, you know, we know why we're in this. Uh -huh. uh, we got called to this. Right. You know, right. and, and we, we dug into the trenches we because we didn't have a choice. And so whenever I meet somebody who's doing it as a friend, I, I just have to say, you know, oh. sh shimmery, shimmery, because I, I, I had a friend before who had a child with autism, and I didn't know what that meant, and I didn't show up the way you have shown up. You're amazing. Oh, you're so sweet. Honestly, though, it's I do it as a friend, but I do it as a mom. I mean, more than anything else, I really think it takes a village, and I am proud to be part of that village. And I think that, you know, if you are 
in a position where you can offer help to somebody who needs it, you should. I mean, it shouldn't even be a question mark. It just should be something that we do. So, One of the things I have to say about Susan, though, is not only has she gone out and publicized our cause, and, and she's even doing some television appearances in April to promote our run down in San Diego, and she's going to be back east and doing some television appearances. She teaches compassion to her children. Mm -hmm. And there is no place more comfortable in the world for Wyatt to go than to the Cross household. That's huge. Thank you, I appreciate that. And we that, love having him. to me, is the most important thing you do, is teach compassion to your kids and how important it is for them. Aww. It is, it makes me tear up, it does, because Rory and Aiden and Kayla are so wonderful with Wyatt. I appreciate that, yeah. I'm glad. I'm, I, I would probably duct tape them to the walls if they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably why, no. And you, know, you not only have me as a friend, but you have others who have children. I do, spectrum, actually, so. I really think that it'd be, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't have a friend That's who true. is touched by autism because yeah. it's one in 88, one in 55 for boys. Right. It's outrageous and it's only getting worse. Yes, I mean, it it's, it, the numbers yeah. are staggering. Yeah. So it I is. think, yeah. All right, well, let's talk about some of the fun things we can do. And, you know, we all waste food and oh, we, yeah. all autism moms are trying to help their kids eat healthy. We all want them to eat fruits, vegetables, healthy snacks, and we don't want to waste it. So. Susan, tell us about, you know, first of all, the waste of food. Yeah, half, half, apparently, half of the food that Americans buy gets tossed. So that's pretty upsetting. And it I, is. I was contributing to that, I'll be honest. I was guilty of, um, you know, bringing home a whole bunch of produce and putting it in the crisper drawer and then never looking at it again. Right. So, guilty. Yes, yeah, I think guilty. we all are. I'm guilty. But, yes. Yeah. So I finally got fed up enough to do something about it. And I came up with a few ideas okay. of how you can only buy what you need. Okay, you, you guys know how I feel about lists. Yes. yes. The fabulous list. I love your me book. some lists. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, that's kind of how we became close friends because yes. on your list was to take somebody to lunch that you admired and that day we became great friends and I'm then get involved with the cause. And life there you changing did it. for me that yeah. day. Life yeah. changing. Yeah. Yes, I think that everybody should have lists for just about everything they do, especially when you're a busy mom and I would imagine more so if you've got special needs kids yes. because it's that much harder to stay focused and on task and, you know, this is a way that you can help to make sure that you're bringing into the house just what you actually need and the things that you want your kids to be eating. Okay. So my first suggestion is to break out your family cookbooks. This is just, okay, now Curtis Stone is so darling. I had to bring this particular cookbook, but the recipes inside are actually really good, easy to make, family friendly. Okay. Plenty of cookbooks like that out right. there. Curtis um, Stone, what's for dinner? Okay. Yeah. You, so you recommend that. Yeah, he has a different theme for every night of the week. Okay. There's um, one pot Wednesday, that kind of thing. So uh -huh. it makes it kind of fun. If you can find, it doesn't have to be this cookbook. Right. But if you can find a cookbook that is going to be something that your kids could participate yeah. in choosing the meals, planning them. It gives you so many teachable moments about nutrition, budget, making an organized grocery list. You can actually, once you've got your list made, you can bring the kids, if, if it's something that will work for them, right. bring them to the store and have them help you to locate the items in the store and you know turn it into a scavenger hunt. You can make the shopping expedition fun. And right. I think too, and I found this to be true with my kids, when they were little, they were a lot pickier eaters. Yes. And if they are involved in cooking the food, they're much more likely to eat the food. It's so true. Yes. So let them have a say-so. And like, what do you want to have yeah. for dinner this week? Let's talk about 
what makes a balanced meal? What right. do you think looks good? What would you like to try to help make? And that's, so that's one thing. And then having the list, of course, cuts down on buying okay. food that you aren't going to yeah. use. And I just want to add that there are a lot of cookbooks out there now that focus on gluten-free yes. cooking. Yes. And that you can also substitute the non-dairy butter and the soy, coconut, and almond milk for milk. So Absolutely. that's important to know. I'm pretty sure if you Googled substitutions recipes online, you'd be able to find exactly how much of this to substitute right. for that. Those right. kind of lists. Right. So important to know. Yes. Very good point. Okay. Now, once you get home from the grocery store, this is really key to me. Okay. If I don't wash the produce mm -hmm. and put it into clear containers where it's very obvious what's inside and keep them towards the front of the refrigerator. I mean, I love crisper drawers and all, but I mean, if you're going to keep it that long, Honey, I just I, threw out some kale yesterday that was a science project. Yeah, I mean, but I mean if it's but if it were if it had been ready to grab out of a it container, it was open. That's what the tragedy is. I do that is. too, but if you if you had opened it, let's say you'd yes. opened it, rinsed it, thrown it into a container mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. this and had it to the front of the refrigerator so that whenever it was time to start prepping something or grabbing a snack, that's what you see. Kids are going to eat what they see. If they open the refrigerator and there are all these bright colors and you know the brighter the colors, probably the healthier it's going to be for yes. you. It's kind yeah. of a rule of thumb. Right. So that's what I do. I, mm, I, I've been wasting a lot less produce okay. because I'll cut strawberries and wash the blueberries and right. you know this is bell peppers. peppers. I mean I just brought a few things right out okay. of my own refrigerator. This see, is what I have in my You can take this and you can throw it in with the chicken breast yes. right. and make a you know put a little chicken broth and mm -hmm. some lemon. You can, right? you can actually and the cherry create tomatoes. your own recipes. Uh -huh. You can get a pat of paper out and have your, your child help you let's what do you think would taste good together and jot it down so that you can make it again if it was something they really liked right you know and let's be honest when it comes time to snacking we're gonna get whatever is most convenient yes. right, right? That's and true. so if this is there and already ready mm -hmm. yes. we're much more likely to have this for a snack yeah than something else right. that's you got not it. as good I never thought I'd see the day where Wyatt would choose uh, carrot and celery sticks over, you know, something with cheese or bread. But he is starting to do that now. Really yeah. incredible. Yeah. But I have to ask a, a practical question okay. about this. Two practical questions. Yeah. First of all, how do you keep your lids in your cabinet so that they, you know, which one? Because this is where I fall down. I get, um, I have these exact same dishes, the glass ones, not the plastic, okay. right? Yeah. And I go to, and I get the, the the glass container, and I can't find the lid. The lid. So how do you manage your lids? Well, first of all, I don't I don't keep so many of these mm -hmm. that they get like completely discombobulated in the oh, drawer. Because really, look like we, my ha drawer. we have more than we need. <laughs> I took out the ones I don't use often, and I put okay. them in a cabinet where I can't get to it easily. But if I really needed to, I know where they okay, are. Right. So if I needed extra for some reason, right. But um, I just keep the ones that I really know I'm going to use the most. Okay. And okay. then as far as the lids go, I try to keep them close. Like I know for space reasons you can't store them this way. But if you were to take the lids off of these and stack them inside each other and then set the glass bowls inside of each other on top, okay. if it's really a matter of you need to be able to grab it and know handy very quickly, like which one goes with what, I recommend getting colored Sharpies and just making a little circle with a colored Sharpie on the inside of the lid, like red and under the bowl in red so that you know these two go together. So I knew she would know. I know. Yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming that your your uh, drawer looks like mine with about how many of those things you have that Chinese food comes in or you know Thai food or you oh, know, yeah. the, the big round ones that are oh. plastic. I've got about 
20 of them. I'm going to go throw them out today. I'd recycle them. Just put them right in recycle or put yeah. them in if you have a craft box for when Wyatt wants to make some arts and crafts yeah. or you need something to squirt paint into. Put them with another that. Great I mean, idea. find another okay. use for them, but keep that okay. drawer as clean and streamlined as okay. possible. It'll make it a lot quicker when you do need to store And food. now my other practical question, and then we'll take a quick break. Okay. These look so fabulous, and you mentioned you washed them. When I wash produce, mm -hmm. uh, even if I, uh, you know, I guess that maybe I don't do the salad spinner long enough, but I put them in and I get water in the bottom, which then makes the produce go bad faster, I think. Okay. So I talk myself out of it. How did you get everything so dry in these bowls? Towels. I have I have um, tea towels that are made out of flour sack, uh -huh. and so they absorb water very very quickly. You can get them at Williams Sonoma, but I'm pretty sure that you can find them at any <laughs> cooking supply place. Yeah, let me tell you what I have for lettuce. I do have it's a, it's mm -hmm. the same kind of material you're talking about, mm -hmm. and it's a bag, uh -huh. and you put the lettuce in after you wash it. I still put it in the colander strainer, but then after it's set there for a while, I throw it in this bag, and you kind of lightly roll it up and tie it. Mm -hmm. All righty, there you see, go. I th I needed this show. <laughs> Oh, well, to know these things, because if you don't know, you don't know. Exactly. Amazing. So we're going to take a little break, and we're going to come back about using it up and giving life to leftovers. Yes, I want All right, to hear so that. stay with stay us. The Institute for Behavioral Training provides courses in applied behavior analysis for the treatment of autism. Access IBTE learning videos on the move and learn at your own pace. IBTE Learning makes any location your classroom on the go. So our objectives for today are to really learn what is autism and how is it diagnosed. Get professional guidance with IBT face-to-face -face training. IBT face-to-face -face training courses prepare you to effectively implement ABA-based interventions. Choose between small group and one-to-one -one instruction. Earn BCBA supervision hours via one-to-one -one video conferencing. So I had a chance to review your BIP today. You know what? It looked really good. You did a good job with that. IBT, continuing education courses. Earn credit through webinars, conferences, article reviews, and e-learning videos. You can learn more at ibehavioraltraining.com. IBT, 360 degrees of ABA training. Hi, we're back with Let's Talk Autism, and we have our lifestyle expert, Susan Campbell-Cross, joining us, and she is telling us some great tips on how to have your kids involved with buying healthy food, how to store it, and now let's talk about how to use it up and not waste it, Susan. Absolutely. Now, when it comes sort of towards the end of the week, you might notice that the produce is starting to look a little bit like you don't have very much of this left or that left, not enough to make a whole side dish or anything like that and it's time to really use it up. So what I think is one of the best tools for the kitchen ever invented, crock pot. Oh my gosh, that has saved my life so many times because I can go into my refrigerator and pull out any of these containers that contain any vegetable at all, throw it in there, pour a little organic vegetable broth or water, you know, that's fine too, and just turn that sucker on and six hours, eight hours later when it's time for dinner, it's already ready, which is amazing. Plus, depending on how much I have left over in the fridge to use, I may have enough for the whole following week to have snacks. And you can freeze it, you can pour it and serve it over brown rice. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can incorporate that 
And you can actually throw that into a blender and make your own vegetable broth to mm -hmm. use. You can freeze mm -hmm. it in ice cube trays and take out one or two whenever you're cooking something that needs a little extra great flavor. Idea. It is a great idea. I, I, I bought ingredients to make soup last week and I didn't get around to it, but right. it never occurred to me to do it in the crock pot. I can yeah. have to say that's never occurred to me right. before. Right. It's so easy. And also um, blender, that's another really good one, is if you've got fruit left over, mm -hmm. you know, Make a smoothie. Make you can put in a little protein powder if you want. Right. You can actually use nuts, and a lot of the blenders, blenders nowadays are, are pretty industrial, right. hardcore. Right. You can handle cashews or something. Yeah. If you want some protein in there, so and that's, the, and the and the fruit can be a little bit not having gone bad, but it right. can be a little bit past where you think you might want it, like to open and eat the banana. But you can certainly make a smoothie with it. Exactly. Right. And you know what is funny too is that you know you're rifling around in the refrigerator, and occasionally apples get banged together. There may be a bruiser too. Just cut that part off. It's okay. Yeah. Even with strawberries, if there's, you know, it's a little squishy on one side, cut it in half. Right, right. Just, I think as yeah. Americans, we've gotten into this this idea of, oh, it has to be, you know, fresh picked. It has to have no marks on it. Right. We're a little no. bit spoiled. Yeah. And we're throwing away a lot of good produce yeah. yes, that took a lot of energy to create. Yes, exactly. Uh, I have another time saver, and that is a rice cooker. Oh, yes. Mm. I don't know if you all have yes, a rice cooker. I do have one. I mean, every family in Asia mm -hmm. has a rice cooker, and they keep it going all day. Yeah. Because literally, and you can get these at the Asian markets. Yes. Uh, the Thai markets have them, Korean markets mm -hmm. have them, and it's a lifesaver because it, the rice will be ready in about 20 minutes yeah. and it'll stay warm. It, it just automatically goes to warm. Genius. And let me tell you, with some, with some, you know, nice vegetables and, you know, a couple of organic chicken breasts or thighs and then rice, you've got a dinner every night of the week. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can throw some sliced almonds yeah. on top, you can yeah. scramble up an egg and mix that in. Right. It makes everything Things so much easier right. if it's ready to go, and it's so much healthier than buying prepackaged stuff. Yeah, Absolutely. and cheaper. That and cheaper. All that prepackaged, yeah. you know, already cut, already yes. done this and that and the other. It costs probably five times it as does. much, right? And you know what? If it's got ingredients that you can't pronounce, don't eat it. I mean, that's yeah. kind of my rule yeah. of thumb. If, yeah. if yeah. it's if I'm struggling to pronounce it, I probably shouldn't be eating it. Another rule they say is if your grandmother doesn't recognize it as food, right? It ain't food. <laughs> you know what? That's a great. I love that. I, I'm gonna have if to. Your grandmother I'm says tweeting what the, that. Yeah. That's your grandmother said, right what there. the heck is this? That it's not food. <laughs> then you say, never mind. <laughs> that's the kind of food you can throw away and not feel guilty about. So tell us about giving life to leftovers. Okay, so now inevitably you're going to end up with like one serving of this, two servings of that. Well, I have a family of five. That's not going to work. Right. So what I do is leftover buffet night. Once a week I go through the refrigerator. Now here's another thing. I always think everything is so much better when you present it yes, in a way. It is. Now, these are just little things I picked up. Uh, you can make your own. You can this one happiness, happiness is, homemade. is homemade. I'll set that up here there so you, you can go. you can How see it. But that. I've got uh, you know little little flowers, Aww. you know. I mean, I've got this little chalkboard and this is actually fun because you can get your kids to create the menu. You know, you you can ask them, That's hey, cute. go look in the refrigerator, see what's in there that looks appetizing. Let's bring it all out. <laughs> Let's see if we can clean our refrigerator just by having leftover buffet night. And they will help you with this. And it actually makes it fun. And at my house, there's kind of always a, 
Heck, I'm gonna do that for a dinner party. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's you can do it like to yeah. make a like kind of a race. There's always a rush to see yeah, who so is cute. going to get what Happiness. because if something was especially yeah. delicious, everybody wants that. So it's it always right. it turns into That's just so, so much cute. laughter and so much fun. Yeah. it's just a clever way to create a family tradition and get your refrigerator cleaned out for the next week. Right. I just had an epiphany. My mother used to do this, but she would call it smorgasbord night. There you uh -huh. go. And I had no idea that's yeah. what she was doing was see, cleaning out the refrigerator. Right. <laughs> but we loved that as kids. We yeah. loved it because yeah. there was a leftover of something that I wanted, mm. but I didn't want to eat something else. Right. So we thought that was excitement. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. all in how you frame it. It's right. all in how you present it. I think if you approach something with a positive, fun attitude, your kids are going to adopt that as well and it just turns into like I said a family tradition it's something fun to look forward to every week yeah yeah and what's so amazing about this now is that so many of the big manufacturers are catering to families with children with autism yes and to the gluten-free market and I just about did cartwheels when I saw <laughs> that Betty Crocker wow. has Pre, you know, packages now for oh, chocolate chip cookies, white cake, chocolate cake, and all you have to do, it's gluten-free, and mm -hmm. all you have to do is substitute the non-dairy. And every week, Wyatt and I have a baking afternoon That's because great. he loves to bake. That's so yeah, great. He loves it. And that way, at least I know if he's going to have, you know, a treat, um, it's going to be a gluten-free, dairy-free chocolate chip cookie or a little oh, slice cool. of, of cake. Right. And, and it's it, already ready. Yeah. I think yeah. when things like, just like with this, if it's already ready to go, that's what yeah. they're going to pick. Yeah. And, and then the other thing is the argument. pastas. The pastas are so much better. The gluten-free oh, pastas. Borelli, so is that it? Better. They have a pasta? I, that's not the one I do. I, okay. I, I don't know what the... I, but it, it tastes so much oh, better. And the texture so is so, so much better. better. In the last firmer. Years. It used to get yeah. mushy. And, yes. Yeah. We, oh, it, we buy amazing. quinoa pasta now. I don't, know, I don't know if that's gluten-free. Yes, it is. Okay, well then, in that case, we've been gluten-free for some time. Because my kids prefer it. It's just... It stays firmer. And it has more flavor. And it just... It's just... It's just heartier and yeah. you know it keeps you full longer too and right. I just find it's healthier there's protein it's just so much better all the way around and the other thing you can do with pasta is you can make a big pot of it mm. you can then drain it yeah. put it in a bag in the refrigerator and pour hot water over it to heat it up yes and, yeah. and to put it new yeah to repurpose Absolutely. it yeah. and the prices on those things have gone down too way I'm down. excited to see way it used to be so much more expensive yeah. but yeah. I just want to say too that we've talked a little bit about this but the teaching opportunities yes. in doing this we cannot say enough that's right about how many teaching opportunities when you're when you're going through the grocery store and you're saying pick what you want and you're talking about what the vegetable is right. how it's grown what color it is whatever developmentally your child whatever stage they're at that the lesson applies how much money we pay you brought up the budgeting there right. are so many lessons here. We don't want to wait until they're mm -hmm. 17 and 18 to try to help them to figure out what to eat. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I, I was the other day. I was in the store with my son, and I was saying, "Okay, what do you want to have for dinner?" And he said, "Like three protein things." Mm -hmm. And I said to him, "Okay, well that's great, but where's your carbohydrate and where's your vegetable in that?" Mm -hmm. And he knew exactly what I was talking to. And there was another mother who stopped and said, "You actually talk about those things with yeah. your child?" And I said, "Oh, well, when were you going to wait to do that?" That's great. <laughs> Until, you know, yeah. I mean, he needs to and know. And here's your child on the spectrum, and she, she probably had typical kids and hasn't yes. done that, right? Yeah. I just had a light bulb moment here. What if you bought these types of containers and color-coded the lids according to whether it was a protein, oh, a carbohydrate, yeah. a 
fruit and vegetable. Yeah. You could actually put all your fruits and vegetables in the ones with the green lid and teach that and actually post a little chart yeah, like on the refrigerator. And balance. that way your child knows and they can actually even Get check off of how many of what they've had each day. So if they yeah. know that they're supposed to have this many servings of this and this many servings of that, then they'll know when they've already finish that or what they still yeah, need yeah. to make sure that they eat. And Susan, you think you like list? Live with a child with autism. Oh. <laughs> yes. You think and you like to compartmentalize things and check things? <laughs> live with a child with autism. They love it. Well, and this we will should, be great for them then. I know. And we should say you are the queen of lists. And in fact, you have a wonderful book. Yes. Tell oh, them about your book and where you. they can get it. I do have a book called The Fab You List. List it, live it, love your life. You can get it pretty much anywhere that you can find books. Amazon carries it, Barnes and Noble. Um, Target, anywhere where you would find books. And it is about listing, but it's a different type of listing. It is about listing what you've always dreamed of doing with your life, and it gives a lot of tips and suggestions about how you can get motivated to get out there and accomplish those things, because we all deserve it. We all deserve Absolutely. to live our dreams, and we can. And the big difference between someone who has a dream, because everybody has a dream, right? And someone who has their dreams come true is action. And that's the step that that's I think hard is missing for a lot of people, yeah. exactly. But this is where lists actually can help you to make sure that that happens. It keeps you accountable, it keeps mm -hmm. you on track. It's a reminder all the time of what you've done and what you haven't done, what you still need to do. And you can make little sub lists of action things. So for example, you're not just listing the goals, but you're listing three first steps towards achieving that goal. All of this is in the book, but yes, I am never tired of talking about how well, it changed my life. It really exactly. changed my life. I was just going to say, too, and, and you, you talk about this in the book as well, about how what you were doing before and how this changed things so that you were living your dreams. Yeah, I wasn't doing a whole lot. I mean, I, well, I well, you were a mom of I was kids. a mom. Okay, <laughs> yes, and that's a big job. It is. Yeah. But I think I was really having, I, I had a hard time answering who are you except in context with other people. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a sister. I'm I'm a daughter, but who was Susan? I didn't even know where I'd gone. I mean, I so completely immersed myself and I don't even have special needs kids. So I can only imagine when you are feeling that pull of the every ounce of your energy and attention should be focused solely on the children or else what, or else you're guilty or you're a bad mom, all these things that we put upon ourselves. And to be honest, that you are a better mom when you're happy. Yeah. Yes. And you're going to be happy. You can't really be happy if you're not a whole fulfilled, content person. Right. And the key to that is really time management. Time management, yes, and, 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 and resources, finding and those resources. Focused. I try to have a support yeah. system in I place. I do that at work with Act Today. Mm -hmm. Every mm -hmm. morning I have three things that are my laser-like focus. Oh, I yes. say I'm a heat-seeking missile for these three <laughs> things. Yes. Love it. You know, raise money for this, do the outreach for this, do this. and. Nothing, well, sometimes I open up my emails and get sidetracked, but I try to accomplish those three things every day that I set for myself. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. But you know what's also really important is making sure that you yourself are on that list. Somewhere on there, even yeah. if it's a five-minute meditation break, yeah, even if it's just, I'm going to listen to three songs on my iTunes, or my, yeah, my iTunes mm -hmm. without being interrupted, yeah. or whatever that is, but write something that's just yeah. you, just about you, to help you center yourself again and take care of yourself so, so that you can take care of others. So important for our mom.
moms out there and parents because in the early days of Wyatt's autism, I found there were days where it would be six o'clock and I would be in my sweats and have, hadn't brushed my teeth. Okay? Mm. So I that still is, have days like that. Yeah, well, I do too, but that's <laughs> no way to live every day. Yeah. Right. And there are ways to get around that. There are ways to organize your life, to give yourself some time. If you don't nourish, take your oxygen first. If yes. you don't, you're going to be in trouble. So that's Absolutely. a big lesson for all exactly, of us. Exactly, yeah. Susan, you are always a gem, and we appreciate you. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate I both you do. both back, and okay. thank you so much. for. I love coming here. I okay. absolutely love it. Well, I'm we'll happy to come anytime. We'll think of something really fun for next month, okay? okay. Right. Sounds good. Cool. Sounds all good. Right. All thank right, Susan Campbell-Cross, and we will be back with more in just a moment. Skills is an online program that provides assessment, curriculum, positive behavior support planning for challenging behavior, and progress tracking, and it does this all in one place. The Skills Assessment and Curriculum addresses eight areas of development, which even includes advanced higher level areas such as executive functions and cognition, which pretty much makes Skills the only ABA-based set of curricula for teaching more complex skills, things like problem solving, planning, self-management, perspective taking, and even inferring and predicting others' private events. Skills is a four-step system. Step one is to add the child to your account. Step two is to start assessment. The skills assessment is the only ABA-based assessment with psychometric research demonstrating the language subscale to have excellent reliability. Every area of human functioning and typical child development from infancy to adolescence was researched, making the skills assessment the most comprehensive of its kind in the world, and we're quite proud of that. Skills is easy to use. Simply click Start Assessment and begin answering questions, or simply type in a keyword find specific activities to assess, and add activities to treatment. Step three, choose activities. Once you've completed the assessment, Skills selects from a pool of 4,000 activities categorized by age, level, and skill type to provide you with exactly those activities each child needs. Start by choosing a curriculum, then a lesson, and finally an activity. Click the information icon to view prerequisites, ages in which targets develop, examples, and IEP goals. Click the video icon to watch a short video. Once you've identified an activity you want to teach, adding activities to treatment is a snap. Step 4. Start treatment. Here you can access customizable activity lesson details, add your own customized targets and exemplars, and edit an activity status such as introducing or mastering it. You can even print handouts such as worksheets, tracking forms, visual aids, and other materials. Skills also offers multiple progress charts, mapping curriculum progress, lesson progress, and cumulative number of activities and targets mastered over time. The Skills Language Curriculum is categorized by verbal behavior type so that users can identify progress for verbal operants, such as echoics, mans, tacts, and interverbals. Skills is one of the only programs that provides the ability to write behavior intervention plans, or BIPs, for challenging behavior. With just a few clicks, the outline of the behavior intervention plan is written for you and ready to be printed and implemented. You can learn more about Skills today and get started by visiting us at www.skillsforautism.com or you can call us at 877-975-4559. Skills. Progress starts here.
We're back. We are back. That we have some fun. exciting things to talk about yeah. in the next coming weeks. You have the ATMF run coming yeah, up. Yeah, Act Today for Military Families. It's actually the One Hope Act Today for uh, Military Families. We love One Run and Hope. Festival. One Hope, our uh, title sponsor who makes wonderful wines. Uh, yeah, there's the. Um, so you can go to register and just to help us fundraise. Act Today for Military Families.Contera.org. This is the best race. I think you see a lot of those Marines there oh, it's so running. It's so much fun. It's it's so much fun. It and, really is. I mean, there's the autism community, the fitness community, and the military community all coming together yeah. to raise money for those who fight for us, yeah. who have to fight to get their children's services. And that's just not right. They deserve okay. more. And, and it's lovely to see them support each other, too. It's really inspirational. If you have a chance to go there and be there, Nancy's there. And I'm going to be plan, there. Our plan is to be there. I'm running in teams Wyatt's Warriors. There you go. Go. Yeah, I stand on the side. I don't. Okay. Maybe I'll walk. Yeah, this go time. on Contera and give me a donation. I'm currently second fundraiser. Ooh, you so go. yeah, so okay. um, I'd love to get more and more and more. Okay, uh, I'm going to remind you guys. First, we have a show tomorrow that's really just jam packed with incredible, incredible things. We have a guest who's going to be talking with us tomorrow about MIT Scratch. This is a, a coding program that kids can start as early as eight years of age. And for some of our kids on the autism spectrum, if they really love computers, they're going to love doing MIT Scratch. Really? It teaches them how to code. I'm holding the knob because I want to talk to you about Friday and I don't want to forget. Okay. But also tomorrow, we have a representative who's coming to talk about uh, uh, teaching kids how to build robots and different programs cool. that are there for teaching robots. And we're also going to have Marion Shaw from the Makota Ring. This is this amazing piece of technology that you can find in some centers, like they have it in a YMCA near us, where an individual stands in the middle and they program it and you touch different things um, and it helps you to create fitness, but they're finding it's really good with autism. Yeah. And it creates uh, some amazing leaps uh, because they have, it uses, utilizes is a part of the brain. We're going to talk with her tomorrow. It's a very exciting technology okay. that in, includes fitness. And of course, we'll have Dr. Adele Nadowski tomorrow talking about how we can teach our kids using fitness. And then on Friday, to round out our week on technology, Holly Robinson-Pete is going to be with us for a very special episode of the show. It's uh, on Friday. We're not mm -hmm. typically on Fridays anymore, but from 11 to 12 mm -hmm. Pacific time, Holly will be here with us. And we're going to give away two of this. We're actually going to give away this one and another one. These Great. are knobby tablets. Mm -hmm. They're wonderful. These are designed specifically for kids. They come with this bumper, so they're really incredibly safe. And these, because they're part of their Inspire program, are already programmed with 24 autism-friendly programs, 24 apps That's already great. that you're not going to have to pay for. So that you'll want to tune in tomorrow and Friday to find out how you can win these. We'll be giving them away um, during the show on Friday. So I don't want you guys to miss a minute of any of that. It's right. been a really exciting week here. Yes, it has. And uh, really thrilled that we have some some of these people on tomorrow to talk about some different things. The, everything that we talk about isn't going to be for every child on the spectrum, right? right? Very important um, to know. Yeah, and we talked yesterday about some things for younger kids, and tomorrow it's going to be a little bit more about for the older kids. Although mm -hmm. the physical one, the Makota ring, is really for all of our kids. So okay. uh, I, I think it's important for us to think outside the box sometimes with technology and say, what do I need? What would I like? A yeah. lot of times it's already there. I know. But we just have to know what to look for. Right. So, and how to engage our children in it. Yes. Because sometimes it's just opening that door. For example, 
my son never touched his Wii mm -hmm. game, you know, uh -huh. for, we had it for several years. Uh -huh. Well, we finally introduced it in his ABA program with his therapist. I can't get him off that Wii there now. There you go. It, you just have to have the entree into it. And right. then our kids And it's find teaching it him reflexes. He plays, he does go. bowling, he does tennis, he does down here skiing, he does all of it. And that opens all kinds of doors. It We're does. almost out of time, but I want to thank you so much for being here today. It's always so much fun when well, you're here. Well, I love being here. And I want to encourage people to make sure that you're here with us tomorrow and don't miss Friday. Friday with Holly. With Holly. Robinson Pete, yeah. 11 uh, o'clock in the morning Pacific time. Do the math where you are and take into consideration the time change, right? But we're out of time. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, please give your kiddos a hug from me. And give yourselves a hug from me. Bye-bye for bye. now. Bye.